BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Freckled Foodie and Friends, a podcast focused on making healthy living approachable, hosted by yours truly, Cameron Rogers. Freckled Foodie family, happy motherfucking Friday. This is our 100th episode. I mean, technically, technically, we've had more than 100 because I've done solo episodes and they weren't really numbered, but whatever. We are celebrating the 100th episode. And I talked about this on my Instagram stories. I really wanted to have this like huge guest for 100. I've been trying for months to get Dax on as the 100th guest. Clearly, that didn't happen. Then I was trying for some other big names. That didn't happen either. And then I felt like I was putting this immense amount of pressure on myself to get this like 100th guest that's so incredible and it was stressing me the hell out and then I realized it doesn't actually matter. Um, The other part of me is having a hard time because I compare myself to other shows. It's not a good thing. I'm working on it, but you know, the comparison trap and the constant like aspect of all of this being so public with social media and stuff is difficult for me and I can be really hard on myself. And I looked at a few other shows and I noticed that they had 100 episodes and I was like, how could they ever have started at the same time and they've grown so much, I'm never gonna grow. So I started getting my own head and then I was like, fuck this. We're gonna do a solo episode to celebrate the Freckled Foodie family for 100 episodes. I also always do a like year of reflecting of being my own boss. I did one for the first year and then the second year. And while we're not at that time yet, April 27th was technically my last day at JP Morgan, first time, first day as a Freckled Foodie full-time employee. But I have all the shows lined up for like April and May pre-maternity leave. So then I was like, you know, we're just going to do it early. So this is a celebratory 100th episode and three years of reflecting of being my own boss. I want to say if you haven't listened to the year one and year two of reflecting of being my own boss, I would recommend listening to those because they dive way more into like the business side of things of like how I even started this, why I started this, um, I don't know, like the transition periods, what I've been doing. So I recommend starting there. If you've listened and you've been with me this whole time, uh, I love you so much and thank you. And let's dive into this third year. This year was uh, fucking weird because this year was COVID. So it's been a very, very odd year. However, I'm really proud of what I've done. Um, I think this was the year that I 
really like found my voice and changed the narrative a bit and started going in the direction that I was more passionate about. And this, I'm, I'm trying to really verbalize all of this, but this year I definitely grew the most. I think I doubled in size from like March to March. And I think a lot of that has to do with COVID and people being on their phones more. But also I think that I started to really share what I was passionate about and share in a completely honest and open way and not care as much about the trends and the feeling the pressure to do certain things and really just like be myself. I think I found comfort also in like truly finding my voice and speaking up for what I find matters and causes that I care about and all sorts of things. You know, it's been a shitstorm of a year. We've all experienced a crazy 2020, beginning of 2021. And I am proud of myself for the way I spoke up on topics that I think really matter. And one thing that like forced, not forced me, but one thing that I was always reminding myself of is that in the future, I want to look back and be proud of what I did at this point in time. And although we're not like far into the future, I do feel proud of what I've done. So kudos to me. This is going to be like, I feel like I'm going to brag, not brag, but like rah-rah myself this whole episode. And you know what? I could use it because I'm a little down sometimes lately about work recently. So just buckle in and like enjoy this self-absorbed ride. Um, Otherwise, this year, I would say another huge thing for me business-wise and baby Squash, well, our baby, Joe and I call him Squash. I don't know why. So there's no story behind this, but we just have since I got pregnant. He is kicking like a motherfucker right now. So if I like stop talking or sound weird, it's because I just am like trying to figure out what disco party is happening in my belly. Another huge thing that happened for me this year was that I signed with management. And this changed everything for me. You know, if I to kind of, I always like to peel back the curtain and talk about influencer stuff. And obviously my episode with Sari discussed that a lot, but my management team has been incredible this year. They've helped me so much. I felt like I was spending so much time negotiating with brands, um, looking over contracts, like things that I do not feel equipped to be doing. And then also like staying on top of scheduling, you know, I don't want to be posting 10 different sponsored things in a row or on the same day and then invoicing and billing. And it just became like 10 full-time jobs in one. And I always say that if this doesn't work and I end up, you know, ending Freckled Foodie or not quitting, but just like putting an end to Freckled Foodie and doing something else, if if nothing else, it's almost been like a business school experience. I have learned so much and I was just ready to like give up a few of those hats because it was taking away from my ability to actually like share on my platform and create content because all I was doing was like emailing and emailing and emailing. So my management team has been incredibly helpful. They basically handle everything when it comes to brand partnerships. If a brand reaches out to me, or if we're interested in reaching out to a specific brand, I just forward it to them. They handle all the emails. They do all the negotiating, which is so huge for me because I was starting to get uncomfortable like 
it's weird when you're negotiating rates and it's like yourself. It's not like, oh, these jeans are worth $100 and that's what they're worth. It's like, oh, I am worth, like I'm putting a price tag on myself and it's just an odd thing to do. I've obviously gotten better at it, but still like if someone else can do it for me, I feel more comfortable and I feel like we're able to get higher rates, honestly. Um, So they handle the negotiations and then they do all the contract work, which is huge because I don't have that legal background. Like I didn't even know what I was looking for in contracts at the beginning. And then they tell me what has to be included in every post, the creative briefs, like they just do everything. And then they do all the invoicing and all the billing and it's all taken off my plate and it's life-changing. Obviously they take a percentage of the fee that I'm paid, but like it is well worth the money in my opinion. So that was a huge business win for me this year. Um, this year also was the year I got on the Today Show. I will never, ever, ever forget that moment. That was everything to me. That is a dream come true. Hysterically crying watching myself on TV. Um, that was obvious. I mean, I think that's like my career highlight. So it's definitely my highlight of this year. Another career highlight was hitting 50K. I cannot fathom the fact that there are 50,000 people who give a shit about what I have to say or interested in what I have to say. I remember starting and being like so excited about having 100 followers and then being like, could I, could you ever imagine what it would be like to have a thousand? And then it was like, I hit 10K and I was like blown away and I could finally do the swipe up and it was the best thing ever. Um, I never in a million years imagined this. It was never the plan whatsoever. So I still can't believe it. Um, I have a lot of weird feelings towards growth because I do want to grow, but at the same time, like I never want to lose the community aspect. And I do understand that at a certain point, like I physically can't respond to every DM. So there is an absolute cap that I want on my growth. We're not there yet, but you know, I want to keep growing, but, but with a caveat of a cap, which I don't know exactly what that number is. And I know that's like probably not what anyone else says because people are like, they just, people just want more followers and I'm trying to live more in a world of abundance. I'm going to talk about that, but at the same time, I want to be able to connect with everyone. Um, those are probably my main business highlights. Obviously, I'm still enjoying everything I'm doing. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing it. This podcast is my passion project. I love it so much. Um, Do I wish it would grow more? 110%. It is the probably number one thing I've like ever put so much time and effort into and seen such slow growth. And I think unfortunately, that's like how podcasts are and it just takes time. But it can be frustrating at times. I can obviously get down on myself. But I'm going to keep trying because I really want to keep it growing. And I really want to keep doing it. Someone asked, do you make money off of your podcast? A very small amount, if we're being honest. Um, That's another thing. It's just like it does take up a lot of time. And financially, it's not totally like paying for the time I'm giving at all. Um, However, it like fills me up and I do think that that's important. So as long as I can still balance the time and financially reap the benefits of my other platforms, I want to. And I think the more I grow, obviously, the more this will 
grow financially as well. So it's just a process. It's just taking time. And you know, that happens through ads and but the payments for ads obviously depend on listeners. So the more people we can get to listen to the show, the better. So you know, all of the Freckled Foodie family, go tell people, tell people to turn on the show, tell people to listen. Um, I think this year has also been a growth year. I mean, obviously my like physical, like I'm growing a human. So it's a big growth year in all aspects. But I think the community has shifted a bit. And actually, I'm going to pull up a question someone asked because I really like this question. Um, Can you talk about the growth of your audience as you evolved in defining like health and wellness, question unquote, quote unquote, Jesus, and beyond and just how transparent you are? So I think the community has definitely evolved in a wonderful way. There are obviously people who have been with me along the the entire ride and like, you guys are amazing. Please reach out to me because I wonder who these people are. I love you. Um, but I think that a lot of people started following me in the beginning and it was like just food and I was doing all this like gluten-free stuff and low FODMAP and I kind of have issues when I think back to my early content because I definitely think I played a role in promoting diet culture and the unattainable quote unquote wellness like lie that is sold to consumers through Instagram. And I totally like own up to that. Like I do think I played a role in that. And so I think as I evolved my content to like anti-diet culture, pro body positivity, confidence, like even talking about topics like social justice, that all of that type of content is very different than what I started doing. So I totally understand that someone who followed me for what I was initially doing might not enjoy today's content. And as you all know, I promote like unfollow people whose content isn't serving you. So they very well, they very well may not be a part of the Freckled Foodie family anymore. If they are, I would hope that like they've evolved with me, but I think in general, the community has evolved way more where there's not this focus on like the obsession over the health and wellness or the need to be the quote unquote best at everything or perfect and like, you know, fit in 10,000 things in our morning routine. And I think that it has evolved and especially with my transparency on certain topics and, you know, discussing what's happening in my life, even if I just look at my DMs, like early on, it was a lot of like, oh, what's the recipe for this? How do I do this? Like what temperature are you cooking it at? And not that those questions are important, but to me, it's like, okay, I don't want to talk about this all day. And also like, what does this really matter? Like I'm not changing, not that I'm changing anyone's life with anything, but like what impact am I actually having on people? And I feel now the messages I received are are so heartfelt. They bring me to tears, sharing people's stories, sharing people's journeys, like providing context of how I've helped them or what my content has done for them or like what they've learned. And that to me, like that fills me up way more than someone like tagging me in a recipe they make. Sure, I love that. Like obviously keep tagging me if you're making my recipes, but that's not what like, keeps me going whatsoever, which is why I'm focused on like way more lifestyle content than food. Um, I'm going to answer some of your guys' questions. And I should have probably like sat down and thought about points that I want to talk about. But in typical fashion, I am very unprepared. So I'm just rambling. Okay. 
I already answered, do you make money from the podcast? Um, favorite and least favorite part of being your own boss? My favorite part is that I get to really like pursue what I want to pursue for the most part. Like if I want to talk about something, I'm going to talk about it. I mean, that's 100%. But like I get to decide what I want to do with my days and time and that like I feel fulfilled by my job. That's definitely my favorite part. My least favorite part of being my own boss is that it's really hard to ever stop. And I struggle with this a ton. I really have a hard time shutting down. And it's something I'm working on, especially as we're approaching like baby arrival. I I don't want to be glued to my phone at all times. Like I want to enjoy my time with my son and Joe and our family. And that's just, I think, the hardest part. Also, the hardest part is just being like what in any realm of entrepreneurship is the instability. Um, like not knowing exactly how much you'll make that year or that or that quarter or that month or, you know, things like benefits, like my maternity leave. I just won't be making money for those two months. And I feel honored and not honored, but I feel very grateful and privileged that I'm able to make that decision to do that. But like, it's not, it's not an easy decision to make. I just know that I would really regret that time if I didn't take it. So, you know, I know I'm sure I'm going to struggle during those months when I realize like, oh, I'm literally bringing nothing to the table financially right now. And I realize that I've just brought a child to the table and that's way more important. But still, I think that's the hardest part is the instability. Another one was, now that we're on this, not a cue, but a reminder that the FFM wants you to take maternity leave. Don't stress about us. I love you guys. And I'm going to still be on my phone. I don't want, like, I'm not going to be able to be off for two months. Are you kidding me? I would die. I'm still going to be sharing my stories and in feed and stuff. It's just going to be less frequent and also like on my own agenda, which is the biggest thing. I am putting, you know, all of our partnerships are on hold for those two months. It's in every contract we have. Um, I think I'll pre-record one podcast episode. So one will release in June, one will release in July. And it'll just be pre-recorded so I don't have to do anything. So it's really just that I'm on my own agenda. Like I don't have to show up for anyone else. And I think that's the most important thing for me personally. Like I don't want to be tied to my phone according to someone else's schedule. I don't want to be recording content to send for brand approval and then edits and then posting. I want to be able to share what I want to share when I want to share and that's it. So I'll still be on Instagram. It just won't be nearly as active and it'll be on my own timeline. And I think that that's the best that, you know, I thought would work. And I just, I really want to enjoy this time with our new family. So we'll see. We will see how that all goes. Um, is your food content or your lifestyle content more profitable and do you have any idea why? So this is hard because the profit aspect of my Instagram comes from brand partnerships. And if I look at the brands I partner with, I would say probably 60-ish, maybe even 70 are like food-focused brands kind of maybe 60 and then 40 are like lifestyle brands. So from a brand perspective, the food content is the profitable aspect. However, you have to kind of unpack that, which is, this is the hard thing about influencer marketing. Like you have to unpack that 
the account is more is sure the money the fee I'm making more financial money from like food brands. However, the reason brands are paying me to begin with is because I've built a following and that following is more engaged with lifestyle content. Does that make sense? So I have a very engaged audience and I would say that they're way more engaged in lifestyle stuff than food stuff. And because they're so engaged, I'm able to charge brands a certain amount. However, that amount is more coming from food-focused brands, like CPG brands. So I hope that makes sense. It's hard for me, it's hard to answer that. Like engagement-wise, lifestyle's way more profitable if you're just looking at numbers, like likes and views and stuff. But financially, the food sponsorship content is probably makes up majority of my brand partnerships, but not like by a landslide. Um, How do you respectfully and honestly evaluate yourself from a management perspective? It's so hard. (laughs) Um, So obviously I mentioned mentioned that my managers like really do all of like the management brand partnership aspects, but I still manage my time, my day to day, like what brands I want to work with, what projects I want to do, what content I want to create. Um, I obviously I keep a list of like continuous things that I want to do, dreams, goals, ambitious things, very easy things like a list of thoughts are always being written down somewhere because I'm constantly thinking of like 10,000 different ideas. Um, and then managing my time is one of the harder things for me. I really try to time block even things like emails and DMs. I've been better about like setting up specific time to do that. And then even time blocking and batching my sponsored content. So if I can spend one day and like record all of my stories for that month, that's so helpful for me. Obviously it takes a lot of time. I have to make sure I have all the products I need and like all the different outfits. But if I can record all of those and like batch things together, that's really helpful rather than feeling like I have 10,000 things to do in one day and I'm not getting any of them done. And the next day it's 10,000 different things. And then I'm repeating myself like, excuse me, I had to burp. If there's a day that I can dedicate to podcast work and a day I can dedicate to filming content, that type of, type of stuff, or even like just periods of my day, that's really helpful for me. I hope that kind of answered. Um, another question was, what does your behind the scenes work look like? It totally varies. So I can give you context of like today I woke up. I had to get all of the post content ready. I used to be better about like having everything ready to go so that I could just hit post at nine in the morning. I haven't been great about that yet. So I had to like do all of that kind of stuff. Then I had to send in all the analytics from brand partnerships to my management team for them to pass over. Then I had to respond to hundreds of DMs this morning and then go through my do later tab of emails that I didn't get to yesterday Charlie is like freaking out on my bed. Oh my God, what is going on? He's like dreaming, sleeping. Can you guys hear this? Listen. He kind of stopped. Dude, are you okay? I think he's having a dream. Um, Then I recorded a podcast episode. Now I'm recording this episode. Then I have to record another thing. Then I'll edit that. Like it it so varies. Um, Most of the day I would say is spent creating or half of the day is probably spent creating content and the other half of the day is spent like micromanaging emails, DMs, and brand stuff. Not micromanaging, but managing. Um, So it's a lot of like desk 
type work that I never imagined. Also editing stuff. Like I never imagined that I'd be editing all these videos and exporting and doing graphics. And, you know, I've, oh, that's another thing I want to say. Um, this year I've expanded to have a team that helps me with certain things. So I have someone who edits the show, not that I really cut anything from the show for the podcast, but putting in the intro, putting in the closings, putting in the ads, all that, and like making sure the mics sound good and audio wise, making sure it's equipped. So he does all of that. And then I have a team of four, now three, um, Freckles Foodie members, and they help with like podcast briefs. So any guests that's coming on, like giving me some context of like their background, potential talking points, like almost like a one page bio, um, then doing the show notes. So all the notes that go into the iTunes page and all that stuff. Then the gr- someone does the graphics and runs the Freckled Foodie and Pods Instagram page. And then someone also helps with my email newsletter and just like general content ideas. So that was something that I did this year, I think, like within the past year, year and a half, but like really hammered out a system. And it's been so beneficial to me because again, I was spending like so much of my time editing, creating the like notes for the show, uploading the show, so much desk work that it was like way too much and not enough creating. Um, So similar with management, I was like, this is something that I can have someone help me with and assist with, and we would all benefit from it. So that's been a huge thing for me. Day to day, it honestly varies. I could be working from 7 a.m. until 7.30 at night, or I could be like, you know what, today's going to be a half half fun, half work day. And I am only working like in a few chunks of hours of a day and then I'm just hanging out the rest of the day and doing fun things. So it really, really varies. And I think that's another really hard thing with being your own boss is that like mindset shift because it took me so long to accept that I'm not gonna be working all hours. Like I felt so guilty if I wasn't working in the hours between nine to five and then I was like, but I work so much later than five and I work on the weekends. And like, I never did all, like I never did those types of things. And I don't even think a nine to five exists anymore in today's world. So just accepting that like, I could technically work at any time, but I can also decide when those times are and I can decide not to work at certain times. And I think that there are pros and cons. And it's just instead looking at that with like an optimistic outlook of like, sure, I'll work on a Saturday, but I don't mind doing that because that also means I can take a two hour lunch on a Friday and go hang out with a friend. So just accepting that difference. And then someone just asked the last question I'll answer is, how do you book your podcast guests? And do you ever pay for podcast guests to come on? I've never paid for anyone to come on. Um, I did have someone pitch themselves to me and say that they charged a fee. Um, and that was not something I pursued. So oh, I have not paid any guests. For me, booking, I have like a continuous spreadsheet that I'm adding to of people who I think would be interesting guests. And then I'm always trying to plan at least a month in, in advance. So I always have like that next month or two scheduled for interviews. And it's really just like outreach. So I DM them and then I get their email and then I send them the pitch over email. If I have a mutual friend, if it's like a more well-known person, I ask if they can connect me just to like have a a head start or like a foot in the door. There are obviously so many people I would love to have on the show that I just like don't have an in with, um, hopefully one day. 
And and then I am sent a lot of pitches and it's just going through those and seeing like who would actually be a good fit, who I'm interested in interviewing because, you know, obviously don't stop pitching yourself to shows, but like not everyone that pitches themselves to me is going to be a good fit for my show. Similarly to how like if I'm pitched to other shows, I'm not going to be a good fit for every show. It's it's not always going to be a hit. So it's a mix of receiving pitches, researching. Um, you guys sometimes will send me DMs of like who you would love to have on the show. It's really just like who I'm consuming and who I'm enjoying. And then also sometimes if I have a specific topic I want to talk about and I don't feel equipped to talk about it, I want to find someone who is. So it depends it's either specific to the person and I just love them and I want them on or it's specific to a topic and I find a person to fit that topic. I hope that clarifies. Um, I also just want to say that I'm so grateful for you guys. Like so, so grateful. I cannot believe that we are where we are today. It, it really blows my mind every once in a while. Joe will be like, can you believe you're doing this? And like, this is your job. And you have all these people who connect with you and care about you and are a part of this community. And we've been in New York now for like, I guess a month. And I've met a handful of you guys on the street. And I think it's easy for me to just be like, oh my God, that was so fun. And like, kind of like, whatever. But Joe's like, that's it really fucking cool. And obviously I feel so cool. So please, please say hello if you ever see me. Um, but Joe, I think he's so removed from the situation because he doesn't have social media and he is not, not that I'm numb to any of this, but like, I do forget the community we've built and how large it's grown and how incredible it is. And he's like, these people, like these people care enough to come say hi to you. Like they want to introduce themselves. They want to talk to you. This is so cool. So it's really meant the, the whole thing. It's, it's mind blowing to me that this is what I get to do and that we've built such an incredible community and that hopefully we will just continue to grow and evolve. And I love each and every one of you. And also if you live in New York and you ever see Joe on the street without me, please say hello because I die, die when that happens. Um, cause he's just so like, Oh, uh, hi, like flustered and it's hilarious. Um, thank you so much for being a part of the Freckle Foodie family for however long you've been a part of it, whether you're new here or you've been here for three years, bless you. I can't believe it's been three years since I took this leap of faith to do this. It's grown in ways I never could have imagined. It's harder than I ever could have imagined, but it's also so, so much more worth it than I ever could have imagined. So it's just a lot of never could have imagined. And I am proud of this show for hitting 100 episodes. I just hope we continue to, you know, ride this journey. I never I never want to stop the show. I want it to keep growing. I really want to ha- continue to have these incredible conversations with these really insightful and brilliant people. And we're still in season three. Maybe after maternity leave, it'll be season four. I should probably look at that. But here's to a lot more time together and growth and just so many more experiences to come. I love you all. Have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. You guys, thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Freckled Foodie and Friends. 
It really means the world to me. It means more to me than you could ever know. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please head over to wherever you consume your podcast and rate and or review the show. It not only helps the show's growth, but it really makes my day when I go through and read all of the reviews. If you aren't already, please follow along over on Instagram at Freckled Foodie for my way too active channel and at FF and Friends Pod for more information on the podcast. I hope you have a wonderful day and I can't wait to give you the next episode.